Feeling your own feelings isn't as easy as it seems, and if you think you're already doing it, there's probably more to it. My name is Justin Sinceri. I am a licensed marriage family therapist and your fellow trauma nerd helping you understand and apply the science of connection to daily life. Welcome to episode 55 of the Polyvagal Podcast. This one was originally from an Instagram Live, which I do every Sunday night at 9.15 Pacific. If you're one of the super fans, stick around after the main topic. I have two announcements, a homework assignment, and something from one of your fellow superfans that really touched me. But before I get into things, put yourself first. I keep every episode as safe as I can. Just by the nature of the topics, you may experience some stuff come up. Take a break if you need to. How to feel your feelings. Someone, um, I put out a question just asking people, what are you stuck on? I got a lot, a lot, a lot of responses. This is one of them. People, someone asked, like, how do I feel my feelings? And it's a great question. And I know this person's not alone in this. And if, if you're in like a shutdown, more the bottom of the polyvagal ladder, if you're in that very disconnected place, like feeling your feelings is not easy. And it kind of might seem like they're not there. And I think in large part, they're, they're really kind of not there. The, now, there is some stuff going on inside your body. There are some bodily sensations. There, there's still stuff going on. But if you're super disconnected and part of being shut down is really being disconnected from self. I think for all the defensive states. But I think shutdown is it's more pronounced that there is a disconnection from the self. Maybe not a full-on dissociation, but it, it is a big part of that is being disconnected from the true self or the truer self. So feeling your feelings when you're in a shutdown place, that's quite a challenge. The motivation to look inward, the courage needed maybe to look inward, it's not quite there. So it is a, it is a big, big um, obstacle. Something I see a lot with my more depressive clients is the interest of looking inward the energy to look inward, the curiosity to look inward, all that stuff is like, it's just not there. And if they do look inward, if I ask them to, they're like, I don't feel anything. And that's that's pretty common. It, when you're in a shutdown place, your body's in conservation mode. So everything just slows down or gets shut down. That's what we call a shutdown. So feelings and emotions and all that stuff is like, it's pretty numb. It's pretty flat. Part of being in shutdown is it kind of preparing for death. Your body's perceiving that your life is in danger. Your, your very life may end. So everything goes into conservation mode. And part of that is numbness. You get disconnected from pain. And I think that includes emotional pain as well. Not just physical pain, but emotional pain. And another part of that is dissociation. Even a little bit, like that disconnection from the self. On, if, if dissociation is like on a spectrum, a little bit of dissociation or a little bit of disconnection from the self that might fall on that spectrum. But so basically, if you're in shutdown, like you're not going to feel a whole lot of feelings. That's shutdown. But how, even in flight and fight, it's if you're in this flight, fight, anxious, aggressive, more energized state, it's very again very challenging or can be very challenge challenging to be calm enough or curious enough to be with the self. And if you're in a flight fight place, you're way more evaluative than you are curious the ability or willingness to be calm and curious and look inward and sit with how you feel like it's not that's not a priority when you're in a flight more of a flight fight place for all of these things you have to have some level of social engagement of the safety system the safety circuitry activated you, you like you just have to from there you can be more connected with the self more in the present moment and and be able to look inward and to actually notice how you feel so if you're in a defensive place no matter what it is, it's just because we're difficult. So we have to be more and more and more in the present moment. 
we have to be, we have to have that social engagement, that, that safety system activated. So the first step when it comes to feeling your feelings is to be as much as you can in the present moment. And I know people are like, hey, Justin, that's ridiculous. I, that's the problem. I can't be in the present moment. Fair enough. Fair enough. But you may not be able to be in the present moment inwardly, but that might start externally. That might start with being in the present moment in your environment. That might be safer. When, like, that's a lot different than saying, like, close your eyes and look inward. For some people, they're like, nope, I'm out. But saying, you know, notice what's in the room. Notice how your chair feels. Notice how your feet feel on the ground. These things are, are might be a lot more doable and can help bring you to the present moment. If you can notice what it feels like to sit in your chair, there's at least a part of you that's in the present moment. There's at least a part of you that's in the present moment, right? Even if you can't go from directly to the inner stuff to feel your feelings, start on the outside. That's where we start. It's not the answer, but it's, it might be the place where you start. And same thing, like if you noticing your breathing can be a great way to kind of look inward and, and to pace yourself and be calm and say, find safety. But focusing on breathing is, again, a very difficult thing for a lot of people. So start externally first and notice that like you're in a safe environment. Like, I don't think you'd be doing that if you weren't, right? If you can pause and look outward, you're, you're safe. You're, you're in a safe environment. And allow yourself to recognize and look for safety and to notice I am safe. Like, remind yourself that you're safe. You're factually, objectively safe. And then you can start noticing pieces of the environment. And maybe use your eyes first. Just very small. Just use your eyes first and then use your neck maybe to look around the room um, and look at whatever piques your curiosity and whatnot. But use the outside first, and then we're gonna go. We're gonna go inward. And I think the other thing here is, there's, if we want to feel our feelings, there's emotional feelings, and then there's physical feelings. I'm gonna separate those. They're, they're very, very similar, and they kind of go together. But we'll separate those in idea first. And it's kind of like what I just said, where feeling your feet on the ground or your butt in the chair, feel the physical feelings first. Okay, so external. And then physical feelings. And then maybe emotional feelings. The emotional things you might not want to jump to. Okay, so there's, there's external and then closer to the self would be the physical feelings. And then closer to the self would be emotional. And then underneath that are some more bodily, somatic kind of feelings. So then we notice the emotion. And the emotion, I think when someone says, how do I feel my feelings? I think that's what they're asking for is... My emotions, um, sadness, depression, excitement, whatever it is, motivation, anxiety. Like, how do I feel these things? So I think that's kind of what they're going for, I'm assuming. But after you do the outside and the physical, then maybe look inward at the uh, the actual emotions if you can handle it. To notice the, that emotion. And those might be the more obvious things like fear or happiness and those have like names, you know, you know, like that's pretty obvious stuff. So if, if you can go from the outside in, that's how you kind of do it. But it's all about safety. You have to remind yourself that you're safe every step of the way. And the extra layer here when it comes to emotion, and I do this with my, with my clients a lot, is if they can identify how they feel, like that's good. That's usually people can do that pretty easily. Like I feel anxious or I feel scared or I feel whatever it is. But the next level from that, even before you get to the somatic feelings, like the the actual feeling feelings, 
the the piece underneath the emotion is if you feel scared or if you feel anxious, how does it feel to feel anxious? How does it feel to feel scared? And that's like a whole other level of kind of like of what emotion that you're in. But that's like another level. And that's before those sort of uh, bodily sensation kind of things. So there's how do you feel? But then how does it feel to feel that way? And that when I do that with clients, it goes some really, really, really interesting places. And a lot of times we we land on feeling alone. And then from there, it might be, well, where does that live in your body? Like, what does that actually feel like within your body? And I think when you can do that, you might be ready to to look like kind of like close your eyes and listen to what your body has to say. And that might be a lot, might still be a lot, but that might be the next step. And when you notice kind of those feelings in your body, it's what color does it have? What texture does it have? How long does it last for? Do the images pop up in your mind as you notice these physical sensations? So do you see how like there's like a hierarchy, at least in my mind, the way I conceptualize it, there's a hierarchy of kind of being with the self and noticing and feeling your feelings. And even if that's difficult, let's go back to the emotion piece. If it's too difficult to go from how do I feel about my feelings or what emotions do I have about my emotions? Even if you can't name the emotion, it might be, and this happens a lot in in therapy as well, is the client says, I can't, I don't know how I feel. And I'll say, okay, well, let's let's just dumb it down as much as we can. Is it a good feeling or a bad feeling? And I personally don't think our feelings are good or bad. They might feel that way, but they're just feelings. The, the activity is still helpful though. The, the exercise is still helpful to narrow down. So we're starting super wide. If we're ready to look at how we actually feel, what emotions we have, sorry, what emotions, we can just say, is it a good feel, good emotion or a bad emotion? Is it pleasurable or not? And that's usually they can say, oh, it's not. It's, it's something bad. Okay, fine. And then we can start to narrow it from there. So like how good or how bad on a scale of zero to 10, like tell me how bad that is. Or how good it is that that what you're feeling. So I can't name it, but I know it's something bad, and I know it's super intense, or maybe not intense, or maybe it's tolerable. And there, if we we can we can even narrow it down further. Is it kind of more heavy? Is it more light? Um, does it have a name? Does it have a texture? And just kind of like start to pinpoint. And as we go through these steps of of narrowing it down from super broad to super or to narrower, they'll say enough to where I can be like, oh, that sounds like you're feeling alone. And they'll be like, yeah, not quite. Or I'll, I'll say, yeah, it sounds like you felt really humiliated. Like you, you, went, you were angry. Or this is, I guess this is if we know that we felt angry. But really underneath that anger, there was humiliation. So I'll say, well, it sounds like you were humiliated. And they'll be like, yeah, that, that's it. That's the word. They might just not have the word for it. But they've heard it, but they couldn't place it. So that, that's, um, I guess, some thoughts on how to go, f- how to feel your feelings. And the, I think the biggest part of this is, is being in a safe state. And like, it might be too much to go into your feelings, especially those sort of uh, somatic feelings, not emotions, but feeling feelings to really like look inward and feel what it feels like to feel sad or alone. Like your body feels that somewhere, you feel that somewhere in your body. So it might be too much, but the before we get there, we have to be actually safe. And we also have to kind of be in the present moment to feel that. So even before jumping to like feeling your feelings, it might just be, can I exist in this room? Period. You know what I mean? Like, or I guess question mark is a question, but can I just be, 
can I be present in the room first? And if it's in a crisis thing, I wouldn't, don't worry about feeling your feelings. I would just, I would probably just ground myself um, as much as I can and actually be in the present moment before looking inward even, even further. Yoga can be very helpful for that. Absolutely. Yoga is like you, you are in the present moment. you you have the physical sensations, but you also have a very safe environment. There's lots of co-regulation happening. I talked with Jill Miller and she kind of went through some of these pieces. And so all of these pieces are, are there and it's not talk therapy, but it's very therapeutic, right? And because all these pieces are present. Feeling a sensation of doing a pose, yeah. Grounding. I have lots of trouble even feeling my feet on the floor or sitting in the chair. I am numb much of the time, yeah. So that numb, when I hear from clients that they're in a, sh- my clients who are in a very shut down place, numbness goes along with it. And numbness is part of um, a de- uh, defense mechanism, I guess, but it's part of shutdown. It's part of uh, potentially surviving because if you go numb, during a shutdown, like if, if a predator is attacking you and you go to a shutdown, like collapse, part of that is being numb. Once you come out of the collapse and into a more sympathetic fight energy, if you're numb, like that numbness allows you to not feel the pain of what you've just been through. So you have a greater chance of escaping. Maybe thoughts before emotions that could be another route. And it, I, in therapy, what I'll do is I'll leave it up to the client. I'll say, we can talk about more emotions. We can talk about more thoughts that you have. Um, which feels safer for you. So thoughts could absolutely be, but also thoughts can be a very scary place for people. So it's very, very, I think, uh, dependent on the person. What if you don't have a safe state? We all do. If you are hypervigilant of your own body and somaticizing everything, how do you start feeling safe? Great question. Um, we, so we all have it. We all have a safety state. Now, whether you're accessing or not is different. But it's, it's all within us. That circuitry is within us. And, and listen to the Polyvagal Podcast episodes one through four at the least. And you'll get a very deep understanding of this. But we all have it. It's just, are we, the word is neuroception. But really, are we detecting, are we neurocepting, detecting that we are safe? And if we're in that more flight, fight place, our bodies are still perceiving that for some reason, we're not safe, even if we actually are. And at that point, I don't, at that point, it's like, if you're here and like, you're hearing this, if you're looking into this kind of stuff, like you have, you probably have enough knowledge to be able to tell yourself, I am safe. So the next step is to bring myself to the present moment and bring yourself to the present moment. That's going to activate, I think the safety system. So it's there. It's just not fully active, but it is probably partially active because if it wasn't, you'd be fighting people and actually running away. So if you have that energy to you, but you're not fighting people and you're not running away, that tells me you have some of that safety system activated at least enough to keep that energy under control. So it is there. We all have it. And it probably is active enough to keep those behaviors under control, but the energy is still there. So we have to get to the present moment and that can help to trigger the safety state more. I think it can help a lot to practice intentionally, yeah, looking inward and naming the strongest emotion. Hmm. I tell my clients to start with the closest inside-out character. That's a big one. People say it a lot if they don't have words yet. Yeah, there you go. I mean, it's something super simple. Um, and I used to, I don't do it as much anymore, but I used to give my clients a feelings sheet 
What I actually had two. I had one with like uh, faces, and there was a ton of it. It's probably too many, uh, but it seemed like it worked. I don't think people were overwhelmed with it. But you can do feelings faces and look through them. And even if you can't, if you don't know the words, what they mean, you can still see the face and be like, yeah, that matches what I'm feeling. So inside out characters, that's awesome. Um, feeling faces, that's good. I also had uh, this like. It was a circle, like pie chart thing, divided into like major feelings, just like primary major emotions, I mean. Like it was like fear and joy and a couple other ones, probably the inside out characters. And then from there it had more had like versions of those feelings. So from joy it would have happiness or excitement or whatever else, like synonyms basically. Basically. So the client would pick the one that matched their emotion the most. So I'm sad. And then the more detailed synonyms would be alone, depressed, rejected, or whatever the thing, right? Yeah, there's there's different things you can do out there to help someone kind of name it, even if they're coming a blank to like name it. And inside out, that's, that's a great one. I've, I've seen, there was someone I worked with who had, she had um, the inside out characters, like the actual stuffed animals, but she worked with kids. That's the problem I have, knowing I'm, technically safe but not knowing how to come out of shutdown yeah it's, it's, it's not and you're not alone like tons of people i think a lot of people have this issue so knowing it's one thing awesome but the ability to sit with to sit with it and let the energy come back it's it is challenging and what happens is even if we can sit with it and we start to feel the energy come back um it can feel overwhelming um, especially if we're not used to it. It can feel overwhelming. It can feel, um, it might be like a panic. It might be angry. It might be a lot of things. Kind of depends on where you're coming from on the polyvagal ladder, but it can be too much. And even if we can own that sort of shutdown state and allow it to be and then come out of it, the energy that comes with it can be can be really scary for people. Can you post books that we can read to start regulating ourselves? Ha huh? Yeah, go to justinlmft.com slash books and I have my favorite authors and speakers there. So I think all sums up to being in the present moment. Yeah, there you go. That's it. <laughs> so I spent the last uh, 45 minutes and you summed it up in a sentence. So yeah, there you go. That's actually, I've, I've, I have found that uh, more and more and more. I've been writing a lot of stuff recently and um, interviews and doing the DSM polyvagal series and the present moment just keeps popping up more and more and more and more. So like, yeah, it's just being the present moment. Something I want to record very, very soon are exercises on being in the present moment. Not, not for when you're in a crisis. I mean, I guess that could help for in a crisis, but practicing being in the present moment, I'll put it that way. I want people to be practicing to be in the present moment, practice being in the present moment. Don't wait for like the crisis to hit and then like scramble to use a uh, grounding skill. Practice these things before there's a problem. That's, that's what I'm hoping people do. I have two announcements for you. I did two podcast interviews uh, recently that I thought went very uh, swimmingly. I'll put it that way. Let's talk about it podcast with Taylor Nolan. She was, I don't know what season it was, but she was on The Bachelor and uh, now she's doing some social media stuff. She has her own podcast. It's called Let's Talk About It. I thought that went really well, really fun listen. 
And the other one that I thought went really well was Beyond the Pink Cloud with Dr. Alice Kirby. Definitely recommend you listen to this one. I don't think Dr. Alice Kirby was on The Bachelor. I might be wrong about that. I haven't seen the past few seasons, but I don't think she was on it. The second announcement is that I have content for days on the Patreon, including some free stuff now. I have, uh, there's some exclusive patron stuff, obviously, for five bucks a month, but I also have some stuff I'm putting up there that anybody can listen to or read. And these are things that I'm sort of testing out. Uh, the first one is called Present Moment Presence, and it's these quasi meditation sort of instructional things. And I, I think I know what I want to do with it, but it's also sort of in limbo. But you can go to the link in the description and listen to them for free. They'll probably be changed very soon. I'm probably going to make those into some longer meditations and not just these sort of quasi-instructional things. Follow the link in the description. You can hear those. There's also one-page lessons. I'm calling them one-page lessons. These are PDFs that I'm sort of testing out. And I asked my patrons and anybody else to just give them a read and give some feedback. And I've already gotten some great feedback. So if you want to listen and read those, listen to and read those, go to my Patreon in the description. And I'm sure I'll probably keep putting some free stuff up there every now and then for people to listen to. I've got, a, I think, a very doable homework assignment, if you're ready to. And that is to notice three distinct emotional feelings that you have today. Notice also, notice three distinct bodily sensations that you have today. Okay, so that might be a fun exercise every day. But at least today, make go out of your way to, to notice three distinct emotional feelings, or three emotions, I guess, and then also notice three distinct bodily feelings or sensations that you have. And I've got a really, really touching message from a superfan here. Sometimes things from superfans really hit me. Uh, they, they take me way out of my comfort zone of hiding, which I do very well at, and you know, of working alone on all this in my little office, in my house, alone. So it takes me out of that comfort zone, darn it. <laughs> and it reminds me that there's real people listening. And honestly, I, I need that, because this is a pretty lonely thing. But there are real people listening, especially now that Mercedes isn't doing this with me. Every Sunday night, she and I would have a blast, and now it's just me, so it's very lonely. But anyhow, so every now and then a super fan reaches out to me, and it really, like, it really connects, it really gets through to me, it makes me pause and really take note of what someone thinks of me or how I'm affecting them. And this is one of those one of those things. This is from Anastasia. She posted um, all of, I think all of my Polyvagal 101 stories to her, well, to her Instagram stories, but also to her main feed. So she really put that information out there. She has a lot of trust in me, what I'm doing, and saw the value in it for her audience. And on Twitter also, I think, actually. So she made a just super kind gesture. And she has a big following, too. So it was just unbelievably nice. And she says, No, I'm not being paid to promote him, nor did he ever ask me to. I'm doing it because I want to help others, because I know how impactful knowing about the polyvagal theory is and how Justin breaks it down in a digestible and non-triggering way has been so helpful for me as a survivor. I tried listening to audiobooks on trauma, but usually it was too triggering for me to tolerate. So I am so deeply grateful for trauma-informed therapists like Justin. 
I love that Justin is humble, communicates that he's learning too, and corrects himself when he knows when he might have made a mistake in communicating something. This makes me trust him on top of the fact that he has been so helpful to me. I've had therapists and doctors who didn't have the humility that Justin and others trauma-informed therapists or trauma therapists I've seen online have. Their ability to share with humility is something I deeply admire on top of all the free value they bring to their audience. Since I am sharing about some of my traumas and the polyvagal theory today, I decided to share some free knowledge from a professional that posts content that I trust as one of my sources. And if you're hungry for non-triggering info like me, Justin's IG, his polyvagal podcast, and his stories are some great places to start. I highly, highly recommend his podcast. Thank you, Justin. That's from Anastasia. Anastasia, you're welcome. Wow. Um, super touching words. Definitely. I don't know how to describe it any better. I just, I stopped dead in my tracks. I was reading it. I don't know what the heck I was doing. But I was reading it and I the world just sort of stopped and it was like, that really hit me. That got through to me. Thank you so much for that. It it, it felt good to to feel seen. Um, thank you, Anastasia, and to feel important, to feel valued. It's incredible uh, to be talked about in such a positive light and and so publicly. Like you have a big following, and I know that that you treat your followers or audience with utmost respect, and I know you care about them so deeply. So to put my name out there as someone you trust. Um, I, I know what that means to you and I hope you know what that means to me. So thank you. The truth is though, I honestly, I really admire you. You're doing things that I feel a little anxious or too afraid to do. I admire what I see. Like I, I admire the bravery in your content, like all of it. And I don't consume other people's content a whole lot, but I went to yours and I was, you know, listening to it. Um, just kind of got curious about your message and, I don't know. So I I took some of it in and I I really admired and was pulled toward the bravery that you have with your own content. It's personal, but you're also respectful and in my opinion, pretty damn fearless at the same time. You're full of love for your audience and you handle the negativity that you get with positivity. And I truly, truly admire what you're doing and who you are. So thank you. And when I, I posted this, it meant so much to me. I screenshotted it and posted it. And other people DM me and, and kind of echoed Anastasia's sentiment and that um, all that. It just it meant a tremendous amount to me. So thank you, everybody. I, I, I hope to keep learning your trust with everything I put out. Uh, but thank you for seeing me. Thank you. And also thank you so much for listening. I hope you've learned some new ways to connect with others or especially with this one, with feeling your feelings. I hope you've uh, learned some new ways to connect with yourself. Bye.